So the question we're facing this morning, listening to those two readings, is how do we become people who love much? And the answer is quite clearly there in that reading. Her many sins have been forgiven. And we know this. How do we know this? Because her great love for Jesus has shown that that's the case. We need to be those who know that we're forgiven. That's what stirs up devotion and emotions of gratitude and love towards God. It's when we don't really know that we're forgiven, that we don't really think there's much to be forgiven, that there isn't a great response of love towards God or gratitude. Did you know that the Hebrew phrase for to love is the same as to show gratitude? So if you're showing love, you're showing gratitude in Hebrew thinking. If you've got your pew Bible there, I'd love you to turn to Matthew chapter 13, which is a little story that Jesus told about um, a sower going out to sow seed. And I think this story gives us some insights into how do we soften up our hearts if they've become hardened towards God. What's the process? Matthew 13, verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When you hear, anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown on the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And then the seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, and wor- and the, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And then the seed that falls in good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And this woman that we've heard in the story uh, in Luke she produces this amazing crop of love towards Jesus, doesn't she, in public. Very embarrassing for Simon, the host of the event. But it's a crop that God is looking for from people. Love towards him. That's the crop. In order to get good soil, which is the image for our hearts, or our minds in Hebrew thinking, The heart was the center of understanding in a human being. So when we talk about the mind, we're thinking about processes of thought in our Western way of understanding. But in Hebrew thought, it was the heart that had the the understanding. And and, um, so I'm going to use heart and mind interchangeably as I speak. But um, this good soil that God is looking for that's going to produce good fruit towards him, love towards him, devotion towards him, this kind of soil um, needs to be dug up. If you think of the first part of that story in Matthew, the soil that's been pressed down hard like a path, that soil needs to be dug up. And often our hearts become like that, pressed down and hardened over time, over events in life. 
Hosea, the prophet, in chapter 10 of his book, says, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Fallow ground is ground that's been compressed, pressed down like a path. And it needs to be broken up and mellowed. don't know if any of you are gardeners, but you'll know what I'm talking about if you do any gardening. Hardened ground won't receive seed. And we need to be those who break up our minds and soften them and our hearts so as to make them ready to receive the truth of our need to be forgiven. We can't make ourselves feel devotion towards God. I don't know if you've ever tried to make yourself feel love for anything or anyone. (laughs) It's quite hard. I don't think I've ever managed to achieve that, to make myself feel feelings of love towards anyone or anything. The feelings of our heart and mind are not directly under our control. They're purely involuntary. But we can command our attention to someone or something And in looking at them, or it, intently, slowly the feelings will begin to arise. I don't know if you remember the song by the Righteous Brothers, the 1964 song, You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Whoa, that loving feeling. You know that song? We're all familiar with that experience, aren't we, of... Losing that loving feeling that maybe you had initially when you first fell in love with somebody or something. We think about that person that we love a lot. We have photographs we carry in our wallet or that uh, we have in our diary. Maybe we have a perfumed scarf with the favorite perfume of the one we love sprayed on it. Maybe we have 2 a.m. phone calls saying, I miss you, I love you. (laughs) I did phone Simon once from Northern Ireland at 2 in the morning before there were mobile phones, and um, his mother thought it was an emergency, and they were all very upset that I'd phoned at that time in the morning. (laughs) But we have strong feelings towards each other because we're thinking about each other all the time. But over time, familiarity can breed contempt. We can stop focusing our minds on the good things in each other. We can become disillusioned. We can feel that there's nothing to be grateful for. We become indifferent to each other. We can even dislike or end up despising each other. And we can even end up being separated from one another. Trauma is another a thing that can halt emotion of love and kindness towards one another. Familiarity is one thing, but trauma can also do that. Feelings of devotion can be thwarted by trauma. But if we resist the temptation to soothe ourselves with escapism or addictive behavior, seeking instant gratification... And if we keep choosing to focus on the good in each other, keep choosing to act lovingly towards each other, eventually the heart will heal and the feelings do return. And it's the same with God. 
When we first discover God, we can be deeply grateful for the relationship we've got with him. Strong feelings of devotion are evoked. But like the people of Israel that we thought about last week in Psalm 95 who wandered in the desert, and while they were doing that, their hearts began to wander as well. And familiarity with God bred contempt among them. And we can stop focusing on his attributes just like they did. We can become less aware of the great benefits we enjoy in relationship with him. We can become less and less thankful. Feelings of devotion dissipate. We can become indifferent, can even grow to dislike him can even separate ourselves from anything to do with him. And you may know people that have done that. And that has happened to them. Familiarity isn't the only means by which devotion to God can be destroyed. Also trauma, sufferings in life. Your feelings to God can get crushed. And we can succumb to seeking comfort elsewhere. Escapism, instant gratification... But the one thing that we crave the most will always elude us, and that is love. And God is love. And even in uh, or following on after trauma, we still have the power to choose how we're going to respond. In order to revive feelings of devotion, we must be like this songwriter, Charles Wesley, that we sang the first song to this morning. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. And what's the response? It's singing and shouting and proclaiming the goodness of God when that happens. We need to be those who pay attention to our own hearts. Many people don't do that. They don't keep a check on their heart. They never know whether they're doing well with Jesus or not. Whether they're gaining ground in their spiritual lives or not. Whether they're bearing God fruit in their hearts or not, or growing hard. So let's not be in a hurry about this matter. Let's see where we are. Whether we are walking with Jesus, whether we're serving him whether familiarity or trauma in life has disabled our feelings and hindered us from focusing upon him, whether we have begun to get pulled under to the dominion of darkness, or whether we're remaining firmly under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And to do all this, we must consider our sins, look at our lives, consider our actions, recall the past, and learn its true character. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to lead us into all truth. So we can ask him, help me. Show me my sins. Show me those things that I'm oblivious to. And as he brings things to mind, we take up our individual sins one by one and we look at them. Not just casting a glance at our past lives and then going to God and making a sort of general confession and asking forgiveness. We must take them up one by one. Pen and paper at the ready, it's good to write them down as we remember them. Our sins were committed one by one. And as they come to us, we must review and repent of them one by one. And as we break up our fallow ground, that's how we do it. We receive forgiveness and then gratitude 
and feelings of deep devotion begin to stir in our hearts again towards God. We were made in the image of God. God is love. We were made to love much. Both Simon the Pharisee and the woman with the perfumed oil had had their true identity stolen from them. But only one of them realized and dared to claim it back. We don't know what happened to Simon the Pharisee, but I really hope that the experience caused him to pursue love at all costs. So it's a hard thing that we're called to this morning. But the fruit of it, the result of it, is powerful and wonderful. And we begin to fulfill our true identity as we repent of our sins. Amen.